G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. When I was 40 and my sister died, I felt I don't want to go the rest of my life being unhappy. So that's when I stopped going to church and really had my rebellious teenage life. And uh, yes, I used to go out a lot and um, I threw my Bible in the bin because I didn't want anything more to do with God. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, on the past couple of programs, we've been talking with Pastor Chris Brown from Perth, and he shared with us that he basically experienced the reverse of the prodigal son's story. Instead of a son rebelling and leaving his parent, he was a son whose mother rebelled and kind of went off the rails when he was a teenager. But as we'll hear today, the prodigal mother has returned and has gone on to do extraordinary things for the glory of God. Robin Devonish will share her incredible story with us today. She's having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome to the program, Robin. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to have you with us. And tell us about your teenage sons. They said that they were struggling to have a rebellious teenage period. Why was that? Um, when I was in my 40s, I recently got divorced. And after having been brought up very strictly in, in a legalistic way in a church, I I was always a very good girl in my teenage life. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'm, I'm going to leave the church and go out and have a really good wild time. So I used to have a lot of fun with my kids and listen to rock music and take them to concerts. Oh, wow. So you're having your teenage years in your adult years. Yes, yes. So I, I, um, it was wonderful. Yes. <laughs> oh, you thought it was wonderful at the time. Yes, yes. I'd, I'd been had such a restrictive life, so I was a real rebel, yes. And then why were your sons struggling to rebel? Oh, well, they were at high school and my youngest son, Mike, he came up to me one day and he said, Mum, it's not fair because you don't give us anything to rebel against because <laughs> I was always out there having fun with them and I, if they were a bit, did something a bit wrong, I'd, I would just sit down and talk to them and, and not make a big deal of it. So um, mm. I, I had a really good time with them as teenagers but um, they, they stayed um, Christians where I went the other way. Yes, yes. We're going to find out more about your journey. As we heard in the past, Chris went the opposite direction of you at that time and became a Christian and went into full-time ministry, just on fire for the Lord. Meantime, you were going in the opposite direction. We're going to get to that. But first, let's find out what led up to that period in your life, that period of rebellion. Let's find out about your childhood. What was it like? What was your upbringing? Um, I was brought up with uh, my parents and I had an older sister and we had a very happy family till I was eight when my 
parents got divorced mm. and at that time it was a big shame to be divorced. What I felt it was at eight years old mm. and I had a very agonising childhood because I never admitted to my friends that my parents were divorced so I was always avoiding that truth. And at the same time, my mum was very strict and we went to a strict legalistic church. So I spent my whole life after eight feeling guilty and never worthy of my mum's love, etc. But luckily, I was very clever at school. So that was always my refuge that I loved studying and particularly loved science and yeah, I'm going to stop you there because I, I want to kind of explore that legalistic background a little bit in case somebody's listening and doesn't really understand what that means. Correct me if I'm wrong, but basically you were living a moral life, but not based on because you love God, but more or less because you were afraid not to. Is that kind of a good summation? Um, sort of, yes. Yes, I, I did in my own way love God, but it was always if I did the littlest thing wrong, which wouldn't have been much, I've always felt so guilty and unworthy. And particularly in the teenage years when I started to be interested in boys, even though I never did anything, I was always felt guilty about that because of my mum's strictness. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of your mindset or where you were at? Yes, yes. So I was, um, and I could see a lot of, as I got older, hypocrisy in the church mm -hmm. and no real joy. Yeah, so I'm hearing a lot of guilt and fear and not a lot yes. of joy. The exact opposite of the abundant life, I guess you could say. Yes, yes, yes. Which probably explains why you thought mistakenly later in your life that the quote-unquote abundant life was in the partying and being rebellious. Yes, yes. Yes, it was a big relief not to be always feeling guilty. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll get to that period of your life eventually, but let's get to the other main theme in your life, your love for science. Now, when you were a child, a lot of little girls are playing with dolls, but not you. What did you want to do? Oh, no, I, I can remember having a doll, but I don't think I ever played with it. <laughs> what and, did you do? Um, I, I guess I was interested in reading. All I wanted to do was reading. Um, I had this real interest in microscopes and test tubes, even from maybe about six years of age. I, wow. I had that interest. And then when I finally got to high school and started learning about chemistry and physics, oh, it blew my mind. I thought, oh, <laughs> this is what I absolutely love. So... I was very blessed that I was given the intelligence that I could follow that I eventually got into the medical science profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you told me before we started to record that from a very young age, you always wanted to be in the lab. Yes, I'll tell you why if we've got time. Mm -hmm. um, my mum and dad, we lived on one side of Perth and we had to drive a long way to get to their clothing business that they own and we every day we drove past the government chemical labs and mm -hmm. I'd sit in the car and look out the window and I'd see all these test tubes and things running everywhere 
Bunsen burners and barrettes and things like that. Yeah. And I thought, I just struck me at six years of age, oh, that looks so cool. I really <laughs> like that. Even though I didn't properly understand what that meant, but it wasn't really till I got to high school that I realised what chemistry was all about and science. Yeah. But I just never had that maternal instinct that girls usually have with playing with dolls. Yeah, so you were interested in science and labs and chemistry and all that, and the good news yes. was you did well. And and yes. what did you major in in school? Um, oh, I all the science subjects like physics, chemistry, maths, and I was also actually good at English. So they were the subjects mm-hmm. I needed to get into science, and I didn't want to be a doctor and I didn't want to be a nurse and I didn't know anything about med lab science till one day one of our neighbours used to do the washing up in a lab and I went in to see where she worked one day and it opened up a whole new world to me because I didn't know anything that you could be a medical scientist and work in a lab and diagnose diseases so I went on and studied at um, Curtin University and then I finished my studies in Sydney. And what was your degree? Um, I had a bachelor degree in medical technology mm-hmm. or medical lab technology, but now they call it medical science, medical lab science. Mm-hmm. And then on a personal level, you married and had children? Yes, yeah, so when I had children, I because my mum had worked all my life being an unmarried mum mm-hmm. or divorced, um, I was a latchkey kid. So from when I was eight, I came home to an empty house. Mm-hmm. And I, when I had my children, I didn't work for the whole time they were at primary school. Mm-hmm. So we were really poor. But I wouldn't have given up those years with my boys. So I think that was really why I've always had a good relationship mm-hmm. with them. And uh, then later on, I was really blessed that I was able to get straight back in the workforce once the kids were ready for high school. Mm-hmm. And you raised your kids along with your husband in the church that you were brought up in, the same kind of church, is that right? The yes, legalistic yes, type of church? Yes. Yes, so that my boys had been always brought up as Christians and they knew all, I always read them Bible stories. Mm -hmm. But from when I was all my 30s, I was very unhappy in my marriage. Mm -hmm. And then when I was turned 40, my older sister died with lymphoma, which was really terrible because that was my work. (laughs) So I knew... Because I was in haematology, so mm-hmm. I knew what the prognosis was. So there was a culmination of that and my feeling that I was fed up with the hypocrisy in the church I was going to. And um, I instigated a divorce. Um, the marriage broke up, even though I'd always said I never would because I had such an unhappy childhood myself. Oh, with your own parents breaking up. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. So when I was 40 and my sister died, I felt I don't want to go the rest of my life being unhappy. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's when I stopped going to church and really had my rebellious teenage life. So the teenage years in your 40s. Yes, in my 40s. And um, I'd never touched alcohol in my life up till then. And so, of course, part of that was starting to learn to drink moderately. Um, but, you know, all oh, that was a real big deal. <laughs> And, uh, yes, so I used to go out a lot and um, I feel really bad now because it would have been difficult for my boys, but because they'd had that Christian upbringing, they gravitated to Christian friends at high school Mm. who then influenced them to go to, I think it was Church of Christ, and they became real born-again Christians, but I I didn't want a bar of it, even though I'd try and go to church with them. I just, yeah. nothing just clicked with me. Yeah, so despite how you were acting rebellious and kind of going off the rails, both your boys became Christians. Yes, yes, and I used to think, oh, I wish they'd be a bit more, um, a bit more bad. <laughs> A bit more bad. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not bad in a in a bad way, but you know that they'd maybe have a drink or go to a, a party. bit more naughty. I think I think was what you mean. Yeah. Well, you don't you don't hear a parent say that every day. I wish my kids were a bit more bad. Yeah, but they were so obedient and so good. I never had any <laughs> trouble with them. Maybe yeah. the only thing when they got their car license that was pretty traumatic. Yeah, <laughs> but they were such good boys because I did have fun with them, and yeah. uh, but they never told me till much later how much they did suffer because of mm. um, the marriage breakup. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Robin Devonish, who's the mother of our guest last time, Pastor Chris Brown from Perth. We just heard all the factors in Robin's life that led her to turning her back on God and her strict legalistic church background. Next, as Robin's story continues, we'll hear how God eventually captures her heart and how God immediately shows her what he wants her to do next. That's all coming up when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Robin Devonish, who's the mother of our guest last time, Pastor Chris Brown from Perth. As we heard in the past, Chris was in his teenage years when Robin kind of went off the rails and rebelled against God and her strict legalistic upbringing. Next, we'll hear more about this rebellious period of her life and how God eventually captures her heart. I threw my Bible in the bin because I didn't want anything more to do with God. And this is, I feel terrible saying it now, but I was really proud to say I'm a born-again atheist. Oh, a born-again atheist. <laughs> yes. So I really went the other way. Mm-hmm. Now, the stereotype is that scientists or scientific-type people yes. tend to be atheistic. 
Does that kind of explain where you were at at that point? Um, no, no, it wasn't anything to do with the science. And in okay. fact, I never believed in evolution, even when I was having these wild days. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? I just felt because I was a medical scientist and learned about the, how wonderful the body was made, mm-hmm. I could not believe those metabolic pathways could just happen. Yep. And yep. also the grandeur of the stars and the universe. I yeah. thought there has to be something almighty up there holding it together. But mm-hmm. I I think I just wanted to go and have a good time. I, I was really the product, well, before it was a prodigal son, I wanted to go and have a good time. So correct me if I'm wrong, but in your mind, you were kind of shaking the shackles of legalism off. Would that be a way yes, of putting it? Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes, because I did not have a happy teenage life, so uh, yeah. yes. So because of all the reasons you mentioned, it contributed to you losing your faith, and then you kind yes. of spent uh, about 15 years in the wilderness, so to speak? Yes, yes, and that my original rebelliousness, I don't know whether that was also a grief reaction to my sister dying. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've, yeah. I don't, mm. I never, I never blame God for it, but whether that was just how I coped, I'm not, I'm not Probably sure. Probably a either. contributing factor given the timing. Yes, mm. yeah. yes. So, what was the lowest point and how did God turn the whole situation around? Um, well, I never ever had a low point because I, I, all over those 15 years, I had various jobs and absolutely loved my work, including I had about 15 years, 10 or 15 years, I worked at Curtin University teaching med lab science. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to work in the hospital system. So I was happy as Larry, not even thinking about God, apart from I wanted to please my boys, but mm-hmm. I couldn't be a hypocrite. So um, the first glimmering came when I went to a conference in Vancouver mm-hmm. and I took a trip around the Rocky Mountains and I was blown away by the majesty of the mountains. If anyone's been there, they'll mm-hmm. know what it's yeah. like. So I, I felt, oh, I just have to believe in God, you know, this only God could make these glorious mountains. Mm, yeah. And then part of the tour was going to Vancouver Island and I was walking around the town and there was a Christian group, possibly youth with a mission, singing and um, Bible songs in just in the park. Mm-hmm. And something made me stop and listen and oh, I, I was very, I could feel the tears pouring down. And I, I think that wow. was the first time that God was speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And there were some Christian people on the tour who I had talked to about my feelings. And although still I wouldn't, I wouldn't give in, um, but it was the Holy Spirit was starting to move in my mind at that mm-hmm. stage. Did you tell your boys about what was happening inside of you at that point? I, I would have told them, yes, about the singing and how it moved me. 
but I still wasn't committed to God at that stage. Something happened a bit later on that I can tell you about if you like. Yes, what happened? What finally got you to commit your life to the Lord? Oh, well, yeah, it must have been in 1999, yes. And I, I got back from that trip from Vancouver and... Maybe four, six months later, I was just driving to work at Royal Perth Hospital Mm -hmm. and it was about one o'clock in the afternoon. It was in July, I think, July 21st, I can still remember. And I suddenly had this amazing feeling just hit me. I still get goosebumps and it was God didn't actually speak to me, but something in my mind said, Robin, you believe in God now? And I just felt so happy. It was incredible. Huh. <laughs> and I didn't understand what was happening to me, and I I just parked the car and did my shift at the hospital. And the next day, because I was doing a night shift, I couldn't wait to ring Chris because he was really by this stage He wasn't being a pastor, but he was doing lay preaching and Mm -hmm. I couldn't wait to tell him what had happened. Yeah. And both my sons, but Chris most of all, and uh, because I know he'd been agonising and praying for me for these past 15 years. And I still didn't know what had happened to me. I just said I want to believe, I believe in God now and I, the first thing I wanted was a Bible and he and my other son put together and bought me this lovely little Bible, which is very precious to me now. And, um, yes, yeah, so I still didn't understand why God had spoken to me or I, I always say God came after me because huh. <laughs> I was certainly not looking apart from that experience in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I'm uh, sensing different Bible stories. Prodigal son, but actually the prodigal mother, but then you were kind of the lost sheep for a time, and the, the shepherd, the shepherd, went and found you. Yes, exactly. So I always say to people, never stop praying for mm-hmm. whatever yeah. you want, because God will do it in his own time. So I still was wondering why God came after me like that, and I was just so happy. And then... That same day or a few days later, I was reading my emails Mm -hmm. and I belonged to a medical lab technology email group Mm -hmm. and someone had put a a message on this list that they needed a medical scientist or somebody with lab experience to help improve a lab at a children's hospital in CM Reap in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... I thought, oh, I could do that job. And then it was like a thunderbolt hit me. It was really amazing. I thought, this is what God wants me to do. This is what is spoken to me because I didn't want to particularly join a church. I wanted to go and do something for God. And um, so I wrote back and said, oh, I could be interested to the hospital director. And he wrote straight back and said, oh, are you the answer to our prayers? <laughs> so I just said, yes, straight away I'll come, not knowing anything what I was oh, wow. going to let myself in for. Yeah, so he asked you, are you the answer to our prayers? And you knew the answer. Yes. You were. 
yes, and I thought, well, yes, that's what God wants me to do, and I didn't. And both my boys had left home, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't have any family commitments apart from my mum, who was still living at home by herself and well looked after. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to go for a year and that'll be fine. And I had two little grandchildren, which I didn't want to leave, but I just, that didn't seem to matter. Hmm. And I've asked my boss and he gave me a year off work without pay and everyone was very supportive. Did you know how you were going to support yourself over there? Oh, well, the the organisation that asked for my help, they were an NGO that was supported by a group in the US called Friends Without a Border, not mm-hmm. Doctors Without Border. This was a standalone thing. Mm-hmm. And they were going to give me $1,000 a month. Okay, so you had some financing for all this? Yeah, yeah, free accommodation. So... So, you know, but I had to give up my good salary working oh, at the yeah, hospital. Yeah. Um, but that didn't seem to worry me. And I said to God, if I, I'll put my house on the market, if it sells, well, that means more that I'm meant to go. So <laughs> I think it got sold within a week or definitely within a month. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I, what I can't get over is everything just went together beautifully and, I just was like, I didn't worry me in the least um, that I was going off to do this. And also I didn't mention that when I did get my Bible from my sons, the Mm -hmm. first chapter I opened is a chapter in Matthew where Jesus is telling the disciples to go out and preach and not to worry about taking your money purse and he'll look after you like he does the birds of the field. Mm -hmm. And I could not believe that God had given me this promise that, you know, not to worry about my future, and I I didn't. That was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Robin Devonish, who's the mother of our guest from the last two programs, Pastor Chris Brown. As we heard, Robin kind of had a prodigal son type experience, or should we say a prodigal mother type experience. Instead of a son rebelling and leaving his parent, as a mother, Robin kind of went off the rails and rebelled against God and her strict legalistic upbringing. But as we heard, the prodigal mother returned. And next time, we'll hear the extraordinary things she was able to accomplish for the Lord in Cambodia, as God uses her unique gifts as a scientist to impact thousands of people's lives there. It's all coming up next time. But before we end today, in light of Robin's story, I think it would be good to review the main message of the prodigal son's story. And that no matter how far we stray from our Heavenly Father or how much we squander the gifts He provides, God is always delighted when we turn back to Him. His unconditional love is waiting for us to return home where he greets us with open arms. And that is fantastic news. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Robin's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Someone had put a a message on this list that they needed a medical scientist or somebody with lab experience to help improve a lab at a children's hospital 
in Cambodia. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I could do that job. Scientist Robin Devonish returns to share more of her incredible story after going through a rebellious period in her life and calling herself a born-again atheist. Robin eventually comes back to God and uses her gifts to impact thousands and thousands of people's lives in Cambodia. That's all coming up next time. The story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.